Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite on its fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker, down the lane, drives, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Boom. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live here on At The Hive Dot com. We're back. We took a week off. It's Tuesday, and we are live in the Gittimer.com studios in beautiful Uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson. And I'm David Walker on the phone for a throwback episode, Doug. That's right. Doing it. This is a retro, retro uh, Hive Talk Live here. That's right. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live and visit us online at HiveTalkLive.com. That's right. You can listen to us live uh, every Tuesday starting in September at HiveTalkLive.com, 6 o'clock p.m. every Tuesday again starting in September. If you miss a show, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher to listen to Hornets Talk anytime, anywhere. Okay, David, I had to add that caveat there in September because we're actually we're going to take August off from doing the show. But, stay with me here, guys, but we're going to tackle a very interesting and a very cool project in August, and we need basically all of the time to prepare for that, uh, David, and it involves a little video. We're getting a little video action going on. We're actually going to do video breakdowns of all of the new, or not all of the new additions, but some of the bigger names that are now on this Hornets roster that includes Frank Kaminsky, Jeremy Lin, and Nick Batum. We're going to get uh, some experts involved, David. Uh, I've been talking to the guys over at Basketball Breakdown, bballbreakdown.com. And uh, we've also been talking to some local coaches here in Charlotte. So we're getting the local coaches involved, David. That's right. A very exciting new project. We're branching out, Doug. We, we, are, we have, we have uh, conquered the audio medium. Now we're going <laughs> for the visual. <laughs> I hope you're ready. Um, um, I hope you have um, your, your makeup and your hair ready to rock. Hair's always ready to go, Doug. We'll That's have to true. Do you do with, have with, you, you have quite the quaff. <laughs> we'll have to do something with this ugly mug, but uh, we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, it's gonna be really cool, and uh, get some local folks involved too, and break down some of the new additions. Should be a good good thing for the fans. Absolutely. So look for that uh, all through August. We're we're getting to work on it already. But again, we're going to be taking a little time off from the show, but you can check us out every Tuesday starting in September. We, you know, we've got a lot to talk about in terms of camp. That'll be coming up at the end of September. We'll do player previews and uh, basically preview uh, what we think will happen uh, this upcoming season. And a lot of, you know, I mean, that's basically what this show is all about because a lot of people have some very interesting thoughts about what's going uh, to happen. Uh, during this upcoming season. A lot of opinion flying around out there. But before we get to the opinion, David, I want to get to some news. The Hornets made two, count them, two more additions this offseason. Seems like this offseason will never end, David. Uh, it's a little weird. Uh, normally, I, I feel like normally Charlotte has their offseason wrapped up pretty quickly. Uh, but this season, it, sound, it seems like uh, every every week we wake up to a new addition. And now it totals 16 Hornets signed forward Tyler Hansborough, former Pacer, former Raptor, former Carolina Tar Heel. And they also uh, just uh, today, I believe, the announcement that they had officially signed guard Elliot Williams. You may recognize that name, Hornets fans. He was on a 10-day contract with the Hornets last year but did not score any minutes. He did, however, play uh, with the Utah Jazz and the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, guard, a, a three-point shooter, kind of a streaky shooter. He also played a little bit in the D-League. Uh, let's first talk about Tyler Hansborough, though. Again, he averaged about three and a half, three and a half points rebounds last year for 
Toronto. David, what do you think about the signing? He's got a lot of people heated up for a 15th man on the yeah. roster. Yeah, I was going to say, that, that that sparked some opinions, uh, to put it lightly. You know, I mean, what would have been or what looked to be the final addition to this roster, um, you know, sparked a lot more reaction than I than I thought it ever would. And I think, obviously, a lot of that has to do with uh, this is Charlotte. Uh, he's a former Tar Heel. Uh, he, he, you know, he's a polarizing figure or was uh, in college. But, you know, just looking at him from an NBA standpoint, there's a lot that we said this roster was missing last year. But we talked a lot about energy and, and energy guys, especially off the bench, guys that could come in and affect the game uh, with the way they play. And that's one thing that he can do. And, I mean, that's really his calling card now, Doug. And last year, you know, we were, we were crying because really MKG was the only guy that could come in there and affect the game like that, just through his play, hustle, uh, hustle play, stuff that doesn't necessarily show up in the stat sheet. So he can definitely do that. Um, I think a lot of people are looking at it maybe as, an, as this year's uh, Jeff Adrian or, um, or Jason Maxiel perhaps. But if you look at it from that standpoint, it's a great contract. Um, he wanted to be here as well, which is not something you, you often hear when you're talking about the Bobcats or the Hornets. There was noise that he wanted to be here when the Bobcats were actually here. So they got it worked out. And um, a locker room guy, I think that, that a lot of people in Toronto um, gave him credit for. I mean, he was a good locker room guy up there. So if you can bring in another guy, and, and maybe they're trying to get back some of that locker room mojo they had year before last, and, and bring in some more good veteran guys who can still give you good minutes. I mean, he's, he's still relatively young, and he's – Still relatively bouncy when you get him out there on the court, so undersized a bit. But I, but I think that's what they were looking for, Doug. Someone to come in, especially uh, in the post, and, and bring some energy to the floor. Yeah, toughness. I mean, he's a good rebounder. He's trying to extend his range. So those are obviously the pluses. And as you mentioned, good locker room guy uh, could be maybe kind of a glue guy off the bench. And and Clifford talked about bringing him in late. You know, late in the season, guys are tired. Uh, you need to look for for different options off the bench to, uh, you know, spark a, a rally when when all the legs have gone dead. So could very well be that guy. And and I mean, if you look in that playoff season that we had just two seasons ago, uh, he was Clifford was finding those guys everywhere. And so again, you're you're trying to add a piece like that in in the fifth big role. Uh, the the concern that I have with this move is that he's not a very good rim protector, so you essentially you let Bismack go uh, for yeah. just a little bit more money, and he was, a, he was a great rim protector, and you get a guy in, in Hansborough who uh, allowed 58% shooting around the rim last season, and he can't really finish on the offensive end. He can't really finish around the rim. He has sort of a reputation for uh, uh, missed bunnies. So sure. th- those are the concerns, uh, but again – it's a it's a vet minimum contract and there's really no risk involved and you're bringing back a fan favorite and you're bringing a guy who could possibly be energized be reinvigorated by coming home so it, there, yeah. there's and, and, there's concerns but in a sense it's it's kind of a a win-win yeah and we should be clear i mean we don't really anticipate them playing a huge role. Now we say that, and sometimes we're surprised by the guys that Clifford has, has played in the past, you know, that have seen big minutes, especially in the fourth quarter, but I'm glad you mentioned biz. I should have mentioned him. He was obviously a guy that brought high energy to the floor too. So yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting that, you know, the, the way that transpired and then they bring in Hansborough to kind of do a similar role. But like you said, I mean, he's not going to protect the rim any better than anyone they have currently on the roster. So, um, but the reaction again that 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 it created was probably a little bit overblown just because if he's if he's the fifth big man i mean that might be that might be at the tip top of where he'll be i mean well, it could be the sixth I big mean, man you know what i mean let's be honest if if he went to marquette <laughs> there wouldn't be that same right. kind of reaction i mean it was definitely rooted uh in in you know in that rivalry in the in the state sure. carolina duke rivalry uh, Tyler Hansborough played a, a big role in that so you know it, it's yeah. natural it's natural but you know I think uh, 
again, like we've said, basically it could go either way, but essentially he's not going to get, you know, a ton of minutes uh, night to night, uh, not even really nah. a significant. I mean, you know, he's going to have a lot of DNPs. So, uh, and then with Elliot Williams, again, I think it's just about bringing a guy who can challenge others in, in training camp. They obviously, uh, Cho worked with him in Portland. They've seen something that they like in this guy, bringing him back again another season and just gives, you know, just pushes guys like Troy Daniels, pushes guys like P.J. Harrison to perform yep. at their best because they've got somebody, you know, a veteran who's nipping at their heels at this point. So that's that's what it turns into with, with Elliot Williams for me. And he makes 16, right? 16 on a, on a 15-man roster, I believe, Right, correct? so somebody, there's an odd man out. Could be Elliot yep. Williams, but you know, it, you just never know when when camp comes around. You never know who who's going to impress. Uh, you know, you have certain you have your you know nine or ten guys who are locked in, and then a lot of shuffling can happen in that you know last couple of slots. So it's always good to have you know more competition in camp than less competition. Yeah, and he knows the system. You know, I, you would assume better than uh, someone who's a totally new addition. So I'm sure they like having him. And maybe he can help some of the younger guys, you know, and Aaron Harrison. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think, you know, I don't think they're shying away from adding competition, especially to P.J. Harrison at this point, because uh, they've got to figure something out. I mean, he's got to figure something out. It's a big year for them. Absolutely. For all the uh, latest on the offseason and the upcoming training camp, make sure to check out at the Hive. Dot com and subscribe to us on iTunes. By the way, if you haven't already, we have a new link. So if you did it, Maybe last season, you need to go and re-update that link. Just go to iTunes, search for Hive Talk Live. Get the episodes of this show automatically uploaded to your phone through the power of the Internet. Coming up later, we're going to talk to Austin Peters. He's a new writer, newbie, fresh meat from uh, atthehive.com. We'll talk to him about who has the most to lose and who has the most to gain in training camps. So stick around for that. But first, uh, we have a, a very special guest, a returning guest, one of our favorites, Nada Edwards from WFNZ. Nada, welcome back to the show. How are y'all doing? My, my favorite two hive ho- at the Hive host. How are y'all doing? Today? Oh, good. And, <laughs> and that warms my heart as the only uh, host of this show. Uh, that warms our heart for sure. Uh, Nada, welcome back to the show. We've brought you in to talk about really what everybody right now wants to talk about, which is this article that uh, Zach Wait, Lowe... Wait, we have something to talk about now? A, a little bit, a yeah. little bit. It, it's... I thought it was just Tyler Hansborough. No, that, you know what? I honestly, I told you this, Nada. I was a little scared coming into this show <laughs> when I woke up this morning. I said, man, all I got to talk about is Tyler Hansborough. I mean, I, I loved him in college, but not much to talk about here on the NBA end. And then thankfully, uh, Mr. Lowe there over at Grantland.com uh, delivered something into our hands. Very interesting uh, we want to jump into this. Interesting is the word I'd use. Interesting. It's Gary got, is yeah. another. Yeah, I mean, look, there were a lot of revelations in this Grantland.com article. And, uh, I mean, let's just let's dive right into it. I mean, he was – I mean, David – David, I mean, how, how – I mean, I, you know, there, there's just so much in here I don't even know where to start – um, but it has a lot of people fired up. We'll, we'll serve this up to both of you. Is this getting people fired up for the right reasons, David? Well, I didn't read it as quite the um, doom and gloom forecast that, that some did, although I can see how you would read into that. I mean, the most concerning thing is that it just seems to be a bit of a mess uh, at the top and, and what's going on. And to me, the biggest red flag, the, the thing that stuck out to me the most was their lack of agility, specifically on draft night and, you know, being surprised by the trades that they were that they were offered and then not really knowing what to do with them. And, and Doug, I remember we were doing the draft show and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting and we knew something was going on. They were being offered uh, trades for that number nine pick. And it just felt like the longer it went, they didn't know what to do. And apparently that that's what it was. And and Lowe points it out in that article, you know, a, a good front office, an educated front office who's done their homework, can speak to every player up and down the draft board, particularly in the first round. And so that was very concerning to me that basically they had the option there. Uh, they didn't feel good enough about it to pass on the guy they liked, which is okay, but you at least got to be able to speak to 
what our other options are and what we can do, and they didn't feel like they could do that. Nada, what has you fired up in this Zach Lowe article from Grantland.com? I'll see. Let, let me see. Where do I start? This, what, this was like three Polk. articles in one, so you take your time. Yeah. This uh, Curtis Polk having a say in basketball operations is a, is yeah. a, is very disturbing. You can go to the fact that Larry Jordan, who is a remind, let, let, let me remind you, is our director of player development in the Hornets has a say in in basketball operations and rich show has one fifth that that's about it one fifth and then you have michael jordan who basically came in from what the article said a week before the draft and effectively wasn't here for any of this was here for one or two workouts and then decided we can make our pick. We want Kamensky. And at the same time, the other thing that comes to mind that's really disturbing is that they had a plan to get McDermott last year and basically said, you know what, we're not going to do this. We're going to go with Noah Vonley. And while it might have been the best thing to do for the future, because as others have pointed out, Doug McDermott wasn't going to net you a Nick Batum in the end. But if you're not trusting your your basketball guys, what are they there for? And that's what's beginning to really worry me about this team is that Michael Jordan does what he wants and not necessarily believes in the fact that he's got qualified basketball guys there. It's very scary going forward. And I guess the final part is people are bypassing Cho to talk to MJ. And that was made very clear. Agents are doing that now. So if we're going back to Michael Jordan making all the basketball decisions, what is Rich Cho doing there? And that's that's about it, man. It's a very scary that, proposition. I, yeah, and not a, let, let me get your thoughts on this. I mean, that's the question, though, because we don't – still, even in this, I mean, Lowe is, is a very source guy and does a lot of homework and – and this was typical of a piece from him. I mean, very well researched and written and, and thought out and presented in a, in, a, in a good way. But at the end of the day, it's so hard to get a read on exactly what's going on with this front office. Now, that may not be exclusive to, to the Hornets, but at the end of the day, I mean, we can all assume, and, and I think the assumption now is that is that Jordan is making, if it's not every call, then it's certainly every bad call. I mean, it's it, you know, it's weird because – this time last year, it looked like everything was going great. They were on a roll. All the decisions were paying off. So is was he was he not as much involved in? Was he as involved in? And, and then it, it just worked out. I mean, there's still an air of, you know, con- whether it's confusion or just a lack of clarity on exactly what the hierarchy is, don't you think? Uh, well, and, and let me just add, not a, that that's a, where I think I fall on this article is that, you know, obviously – you know, the the owner of a team is going to have uh, his amount of say. And he, he's brought in, you know, people, uh, certain people who are outside of his circle and certain people that are inside of his circle. But just separating that from the actual decisions that have been made, I, I think if you if you take those decisions and analyze them, fr- not from a perspective of who made the decisions, but just from the decisions themselves – I feel like there's a strategy that's been implemented, bring in more shooting, don't hamstring the, the franchise financially, and those are all very good things, again, apart from whoever made the final call. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what you're saying. I guess I see this in a completely different light. Okay. Because I go back to where the initially the team was blown up because – people because the team wasn't good enough to compete Mm -hmm. and then it was going to be the youth movement we were going to copy okc get all the lottery picks and then they adapted the strategy then they felt good about the strategy but they weren't winning enough enter al jefferson al jefferson gets them to the playoffs then we really want to kick start this bring in lance stevenson bring in brian roberts both moves that failed so far and then we're going, and then we have this this season where it was a utter disappointment. Where it was a disappointment? I won't say utter disappointment. 
you have that disappointment of a season, and then you go into this season getting rid of all the uh, well, getting rid of the significant part of your youth, and saying we want an established guy in the draft. We know what he can be, and more importantly, and I guess this is the other thing that Curtis Polk said that is damning in itself is what are we going to do with all these first round picks? Yeah. And when you think of that, when, when you, when you look at that quote in the bubble, it's bad. Well, I look, Hey, no, the, the optics, to... Hey, I won't argue there. The optics on the Polk quotes and, it, and even how it reads, it reads like someone sort of speaking out of turn and, and that's certainly troubling. But I disagree with the point that we that your point that we have basically abandoned the youth movement. I feel like we have a lot of young guys in this team, and we've invested, you know, a lot into the young guys in this team. And you know, I, I think the Nick Batum for for Noah Vonley, we've talked about it plenty of times on the show. I I think it's a good move because you, you Nick Batum is a guy that can that can uh, really change the game from a, a playmaking standpoint, from a passing standpoint, and from a scoring standpoint. Uh, and I just, to me... I, I get that one. Well, which do you not that get? That one is the, the... That's what I get, but I don't get... You don't get, get the Frank pick. The turning down. I don't get the Frank pick when it involves that many first-rounders. That's the deal that you make it work. Because you have a a guy on the team who you, whom you can't move and whom looks like is not going to play much in Spencer Hawes. That's where I think the Hansborough signing makes more sense. You play you play Hansborough if you don't think Spencer Hawes is going to play much. And when he's having trouble earning minutes over Big Baby Davis, it makes sense that Spencer Hawes is the odd man out and Frank plays the center. That brings a whole bunch of other questions into into the into the equation, but if you have a contract that you can't move, save a say at Spencer Hawes, it gets a little bit easier to take if I don't know you have a couple extra first rounders to move. That I think that's my issue, the lack of foresight going forward. Because if you can tell me I can get I can have two of those first rounders, spend it and get rid of Hawes and still get maybe a Bobby Portis and an R.J. Hunter and still address your shooting. Now, granted, it leaves you with one roster spot in which you're not taking Tyler Hansborough. You're probably taking Jeremy Lin, though. I don't think Portis and R.J. Hunter would necessarily address your shooting issues. I, I, I think you I, – my, my problem with the, the nine versus the, the four picks is, is, A, we don't know what the picks – is the same problems that we had – when the deal was first announced, this to me, this article doesn't really change any of those facts that we don't know exactly what the picks were going to be. We and 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 two of those picks, we don't exactly know where those picks would would end up falling. So there's a lot of uncertainty there, and, and none of them were guaranteed to be a top ten pick, which is where you know statistically we see star players coming out of. You know, you have much, it, it goes down exponentially as you drop into those teens. So I think it's a it's a bird in the, the it's is, a bird in the hand kind of argument. It is a very much of a bird in the hand argument. I I guess the thing is, do you see Frank Kaminsky as a star? I don't. I don't. And clearly, and, well, and clearly, uh, Zach Lowe didn't either. He said it explicitly in the article. In the article, he said Kaminsky is not a star. And and the players yeah. Charlotte could have grabbed with those four picks will almost certainly produce more combined over their careers than Kaminsky. To me, that's you can't. That's a there, lot there's to there's no that way to there's yeah, there's no way to project that. that, David. What those four players would do, and again, again, you're sitting in the war room, you're trying to make this decision. You can't project that out. A, and B, even if you like waited five years to find out if those four picks ever suited up for the Hornets, and and if so, if they didn't, what players ended up coming as a result of moving those picks or moving those players, it would be tough to project out five years from now whether that was a good move. So to me. Like that whole that part of the article is is to, you can't prove it. It's, it's like proving a negative. You and Bobby Marks, in fact, the uh, much touted former front office guy on on Twitter. He's he's become a star this offseason, Former Nets guy, sort of said the th- same thing on Twitter. You can't argue a negative. You can't you can't fault a team for not doing a particular thing, especially when it's such a roll of the dice. 
Yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing with the trade. I mean, we've talked about it since it came out, like you said. And I get that. I mean, they didn't want to come, go into that draft or come out of that draft with someone who couldn't suit up and play right away. So, I mean, they had targeted Kaminsky. They went out and got him. And Lowe even mentioned in the article, you know, there is a difference between, you know, your ninth pick, your, your guaranteed lottery pick, and, you know, whatever resulting picks, 15, 16, that you get that's just out of the lottery. I mean, just on a historical average, there's going to be different in talent there. Could it have played out where they got, you know, hit on one of those guys and, and they turn out to be better than Kaminsky? Sure. Could it have worked out the other way? I mean, that's a tough thing to say, uh, but it's tough. You know, it's been tough for people to look at the offers, especially when it was like six picks, uh, the Godfather deal, and, and say, why didn't they do that deal? So there's a, you know, that plays into this other angle on this article that there's still a lot of things to play out. Um, and we've said that all along. If everything goes horrible, you know, if, if let's say Al gets hurt, Batum doesn't resign, MKG doesn't take another step up. I mean, if it all goes to crap, then, you know, this will all be proven out. But there is some level of we got to wait and see how some of these moves, especially the ones that they've made recently this offseason, turn out for this season. Um, I get the apprehension of, of saying, well, we don't have as many options, I guess, or future assets as we once did. But it's hard for me to fault them trying to win now or trying to put a competitive team that can get them back up into the middle of the pack of, of the East or the bottom half of, of the playoff contention. So that's the thing that's tricky when you're looking at this. And I think Lowe did, did a fine job. I didn't think it was necessarily a, you know, a, a shot at anyone. He was just trying to lay out the facts as, as he was able to grab them. But um, it's it's tricky because you can't really, like you said, you can't prove that whatever the options were would have turned out to be what's better than they have. Joined by Nada Edwards hey. from WFNZ. Nada, I want to talk about the, the part of this article. Uh, I'll quote Zach Lowe here, grantland.com. Agents have at times sidestepped Cho to chat directly with Jordan, according to league sources, no, no names here. Um and, and he talked a little bit about the relationship between Cho and Clifford, that it's been cool or, or I guess, cold since the team dismissed Rod Higgins. Is that, how you, yeah. Is that how you guys read it? Not the way. It took me a second, Nada and, and David. It, took, yeah. it, it was like the relationship between Cho and Clifford has been cool. Oh, okay, so they're cool. They're all right. <laughs> and then I had to read it a few <laughs> times before I said, oh, no, it, it has been like it's, cool. It has cooled. It has cooled. Uh, so right. what, what do you take from this, um, Nada? Um, honestly, there were rumblings that something like this was going on before this, Mm -hmm. before this official. So this is not the first time that I've heard something like that. And and honestly, between the both of them, it's, I remember, matter of fact, and I hate to show for my own company, but I remember a, um, interview where coach Clifford had on the Mac attack. And he said, I deal, I deal directly with Michael. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, what? And somehow I was the only one to catch this. But when he said, I deal directly with Michael, it's like, okay, so he doesn't really deal with Rich. And that's a problem going forward. Mm-hmm. That's, so it's not really a surprise. The agent sidestepping Rich show tells me that it's possible Lance didn't even speak to Rich Cho that he went to Lance's people went directly to Michael and Michael had Cho do the contract which makes complete sense in the end because you look at that deal and it's a very cap friendly deal it's a very team friendly deal so do I think that it's do I think that everybody's in harmony no do I think that everybody works to the benefit of each other yes and I don't think it's going to be a problem unless things go haywire by the all-star break pretty much i'm glad i'm glad you added that point at the end and and david i think you're probably going to agree with me as well again to me it's one of the situations where if if the behind the scenes drama manifested itself in the day-to-day decisions then i would be concerned but it seems like this organization has a plan now whether you agree with that plan or you don't agree with that plan they have a strategy for how they want to attack this next season, and they're executing that strategy. 
And so it seems like, and the article even makes a point to mention that as far as this offseason goes, everyone seems to be on the same page. You know, a little a little disagreement between, you know, your the person that gets the personnel and the person that has to coach them. To me, that's not revelatory, David. No, I mean, and some discussion is good. I, I think not as a you know, one of his first points uh, resonated in me as well. Have you guys has, has Curtis Polk been, you know, this front and center as a, as a spokesperson for this franchise before? I don't recall seeing that. Has he? No, that's the first time. Yeah, I've it's seen this. it's odd. This is the first time I've seen that. Yeah, it, that, and that's weird. I mean, so there's, I mean, there's obviously some level of you know i guess dysfunction just because the the public face that they're putting forward it, it almost feels like you know low had this piece and he had to talk to somebody <laughs> so they 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 got guys in the in the office and who had titles to do that now that, that's a sweeping generalization but that's what that's you know when not brought that up i thought the same thing i mean it's really weird to have him out there explaining some of these moves or not really explaining them, but just trying to talk around the justification for them. So, I mean, it, it's it's an odd piece in in that sense, I guess, but it, it really plays to kind of what, the same thing we've seen. It's hard to get a grasp around what exactly, you know, the, 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 the face of the franchise or at least who's speaking for the franchise, who that is. Nada Edwards from uh, WFNZ. I'll give you the final word, Nat, as we wrap this up on, on this Zach Lowe article from Grantland.com. What do you think? The one thing, and to, to back up David's point, who's the one guy you would expect out front on certain things like this, especially when it comes to the franchise PR? Fred Whitfield. Yeah. You know whose name is nowhere near any of this? Fred Whitfield. What does that tell so, you? That's kind of... That, that tells me – it doesn't tell me much of anything, but the fact that Fred – that he didn't even – that they didn't even bother to go get Fred on this one lets me know that there's something up. Like I said, it might be temporary dysfunction. I'm hoping it's temporary dysfunction. I'm hoping. Yeah. Because this team, this city, is, is, is about to build something special, especially coming up for 2017. Hopefully the dream team – reunion in charlotte and i would yes. just i just wanted to have a team i can see and enjoy and not have it drain the life out of me and that's I don't, yeah. i'm not sure i'm asking for too much i'm not sure and you're that's asking the thing that scares me about going forward and i i understand your fear i do and i understand when you when you look at all of the the, the past decisions by michael jordan and his capacity as director of basketball operations and so on and so forth where where there would be fear there and, and all i would say is that again if if that kind of dysfunction or if if mj being at front and center in this would manifest itself in decisions that were really big head scratchers i would be more concerned but it but it seems like again you can agree or disagree but there are people that are saying that can back it up and say you know i i can justify this with X, Y, and Z. These aren't completely, you know, head scratching moves, but great conversation, Nada. Always yeah. enjoy your perspective. Hey, 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 Nada, real quick, Doug, if I can ask Nada one last question. Please. Nada, True Detective Season 2. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the, big, the, oh, biggest, the biggest. The, the biggest issue for you is it acting, writing, or direction? Oh, oh that's a tough. See, that's a, such a tough one, man. Honestly, I would probably say it's the acting. And really? I'm not even going to say acting. It's, it's the casting. They cast the wrong people. They really did. Like, the only person that really you could say really belongs on True Detective Season 2 is um, Colin Farrell. Everybody else. Oh, yeah. I, it could, they could re recast everybody else, and that'd be fine. And matter of fact, are you still, I would probably yeah, put are, Colin, are you still watching? It's like at this point, there's only two more episodes. I might as well finish it just so I can completely <laughs> say I hate it. Completely yeah, well, say I hate well, it, but I completely. Well, what was the last thing you were going to say? There's somebody else. No, at this point, honestly, I'm enjoying Ballers more than True Detective season two, and I never thought I'd say that. I never thought I'd say that. That's yeah, I think part. it's to me. To me, it feels um, like they they kind of rushed to get this one together. 
and uh, the I would I would put it more on on the direction or at least the creative team. But uh, certainly there's there's plenty of plenty of blame to go around, I guess. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Oh my. <laughs> Well, hey, listen, it was uh, it was good to have you, Nada. We appreciate it. Um, and, no problem, no problem. And uh, uh, where can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, at Nada the Scribe on Twitter. I talk about a little bit of everything, as as David will point out every now and again. I do talk about True Detective and my loathing for it, and my surprise and ballers. Awesome. And, and, and I talk a little Hornet to it from here every now and again. Why not? Why not? <laughs> and that's why we love having you on, buddy. Exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, all right? That'll be good. Nada Edwards there from WFNZ. That was good. I'm glad. I'm glad you got into that, uh, David, because it gave me a chance to make a sandwich, a delicious uh, ham sandwich. <laughs> well, I figured we'd send him out feeling really, really bad. <laughs> yeah. If, if if talking about the inner workings of the Hornets organization did not yeah. depress him enough. <laughs> And honestly, you know, he makes a point that uh, there's only one person that he would probably keep on True Detective. I'm sure he would probably have the same opinion, and a lot of fans out there would have the same opinion about the Hornets organization. You know, a lot of people, they they trust Cho. Cho knows. Right? And, and so, you know, a lot of people lean on him, and I think what's disturbing to Nada and what's disturbing to some fans is this idea that Cho – only makes you know up one fifth of the decision making core or one slash yeah. however many instead of being the sole person, but that's just that's not a reality. I don't think that's much of a reality in in, in not only a majority but I'd say a large majority of organizations. You know, you have some rare instances out there like like the Spurs where the owner seemingly really sits out you know of of most of the basketball related decisions, but that to me that's just yeah. It's not a reality in most organizations. No, and I think this front office, Michael Jordan and Rich Cho included, are still, I mean, I think they're still relatively young. I mean, Rich Cho didn't have even a year on the job as GM in Portland before he before he was let go uh, and came here. So there's definitely been some learning on the job for, for everyone involved. And, and then you throw Steve Clifford into the mix, who's you know ascending to a, a position that he hasn't had either. I think it's odd, though, because I thought Rich Cho would kind of be that point person that would speak out, um, you know, from the viewpoint of the franchise. And as we mentioned before, I mean, that's not really happening or, or it happens sometimes and then it and then it doesn't. So um, but you're right. I mean, that's not exclusive to Charlotte. I mean, there are certainly other situations, probably the majority, as you pointed out, that have a collective uh, a collective effort when it comes to making decisions. Um, it's just this one is certainly highlighted by the guy at the top. Uh, no other franchise has that situation, <laughs> right? Of Michael Jordan. All right. It's uh, a weird. It's a weird situation, uh, and 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 it's yeah. you can't really hold it up to any other, you know, situation because there's no other situation to really compare it to. Okay, waiting patiently. Certainly not the Spurs. No, waiting patiently on the uh, Hive Talk Live hotline is uh, the one of the newest writers for. At thehive.com, Austin Peters. Austin, welcome to the show. Uh, sorry about the wait. You can blame David and his True Detective 2 talk. <laughs> no, it's all good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Uh, so, first of all, I just want to kind of get to know you a little bit. How you doing? Who are you? Oh, what do you where do you come from? Well, I, I got to be honest, I'm a little tired today. I, uh, I'm i currently serving as graduate assistant for Valparaiso University, Division One men's basketball program, and uh, we got our big basketball camp this week, nine to five every day, and unfortunately, our facility is not air conditioned at the moment, and it's about ninety degrees outside. So we got we got a long hot days here this week. Didn't the Hornets? Didn't the Hornets draft somebody from Valpo like first round? Bryce Drew was he from Valpo? Yes, sir. He's there you our, go. actually our yeah. current head coach. Played four oh yeah, years that's right. Razo, born and raised there. That's right. There you go. So there's the Hornets so, connection. I mean, you you, you know you're right there. That's awesome. Uh, well, welcome. Yeah, on. you know, yeah, you, go know ahead. you know, you know, what's really funny is I was uh, just looking at some old pictures on my phone last night, and back during Christmas, you know, this was before I, you know, even started writing uh, for any websites. Uh, during Christmas, I bought a, a winter hat, a uh, Charlotte Hornets winter hat. 
just because I thought it looked cool. And I was just I laughed because now I write for the Hornets, and so it was just funny to me. Listen, I'll tell you what, it's it's very interesting to me. A lot of people come to the Hornets or, or did become a Hornets fan prior to them becoming the Bobcats because of the colors, because the, the, the logo, because there was a general cool factor that was associated with the Charlotte Hornets. And I think, you know, it's, it's important yeah, for the, it's important for the business for sure. And uh, one of the great reasons oh, yeah. why the Charlotte Hornets name uh, has come back to Charlotte and the look itself. So glad to have you uh, on board here on at the hive.com and glad to have you here for uh, hive talk live. Let's talk about uh, the, the low article in the off season in general. What, what did you think uh, about this piece here by Zach Lowe on grantland.com? Well, I think my uh, my first reaction, I, I, I always think it's funny when, you know, people in the media, I guess, you know, I'm in the media now because I write for a couple websites. I, you know, it's just funny how somebody will put something out there and then just as the media, we all, you know, scramble to write pieces to react to something like that. I don't know why. That's all. I've always thought that it's funny. But, you know, Zach, Zach does a great job over at Grantland. He's, you know, obviously, in my opinion, the best in the business. And I have, you know, tried to model a lot of my stuff after the stuff that he writes and, I just, you know, there was a lot of stuff in there, I think, to process. And uh, I think one of the things that stood out to me, and I got, I heard you guys at the tail end there talking about it a little bit, was just kind of how small of a role that Rich Cho as the GM of the team just kind of has in, in decision-making. And, you you know, you think of GMs as the main decision-makers in the front office. And just to know that he really kind of has only just a small piece of a, of a big puzzle, you know, that a puzzle that has a lot of pieces in it, it just is kind of – kind of concerning and kind of a red flag and I just kind of had this thought as I was reading it you know reading Cho's comments and then reading you know some of the stuff that Zach was you know was writing about it's just like man this does not sound like a guy who has good job security or will be around much longer well and again a lot of this I think is it's certainly backed up by a writer in Zach Lowe who is held in high esteem uh, not only by this show but uh, many other writers out there And, and so uh, but again, it's he's never come out and or there's no there's never been you know hard and fast evidence that says that you know he has one fifth of a vote or or what have you. But David, you know when you listen to him talk about the decisions that have happened this off season, you know he's he's I don't know what the right word for it is. He's not standoffish, but it's certainly not. It doesn't sound like it comes from a place of. You know, I I was I'm certain about this. This was my call, et cetera, et cetera, down the line. Well, yeah, not this, not just this off season, but in the low article, which we're going to reference in every uh, every time I talk, every time anyone talks, we're going to go back to the low article. But um, in discussing the options they had last year with uh, McDermott and and Bonley, there was a vote taken, and and I think in the article, Joe wouldn't even talk about it, right? So there's been a couple of those instances where. You know, either follow-up questions or, or or clarity has tried to been try, attempted to be gained from some of these decisions, and it's shut down. And to your point, Doug, that's what feels a, a little off. And I mean, that's some of the concern I think when people are reading this. Awesome. What do you think about that? I mean, for me, I can see how someone would read this and be just overly concerned and feel like the 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 franchise is is doomed. But I thought it was a pretty fair representation of what's going on as much as Zach, you know, Lowe could get that. It doesn't feel like, you know, everything's going to be horrible. It just feels like some things have to play out correctly for them to have success. Yeah. And he, he noted that obviously several times, you know, who, who thought that Lance was going to be, you know, the player that he was last year after how awesome right. he was in Indianapolis, you know, like in, in any several other reference, references in there that, you know, it just, it kind of, the ball needs to bounce your way sometimes, you know. This is a game of luck, kind of, when it comes down to it. Think about the Warriors this year, how, you know, nice it was for them to not have one single major injury all year. And then you got all of these other Western Conference teams who, I guess, what, what was it, something crazy about how none of them had their starting point guard or something like that when they played them. You know, it was just, it, there's luck to the game of basketball. And sometimes you draft guys with high hopes. And, you know, we just went through a draft this year. You have, you know, talk about every player like they're the next greatest thing. And then some pan out, some don't. And that's just kind of mm-hmm. how it ends up. You know, it's just there's so many factors that go into running a franchise, and you just need every single little thing to click and go your way to, to have, you know, success. And it just, you know, there's been a thing, couple, few things that haven't gone their way. And have there been some bad decisions made along the way? Sure, you know, every franchise goes through that. 
Um, and, yeah. But, you know, it's just like I said, you, there, there's that luck component, and then you just you need literally need every little thing to go your way. Otherwise, you know, it's, you can't, can't win a championship that way. Yeah, let's. Uh, Austin Peters joining us. He's uh, one of the newest writers for AtTheHive.com. Austin, uh, you have a, a special gift for us. This is the uh, player that has the most to gain and player that has the most to lose at uh, training camp uh, beginning at the end of September. Let's start with a player that has the most to gain in your mind with uh, training camp coming up. 16 guys, only 15 roster spots. Yeah, and I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the only non-guaranteed uh, contracts for the team right now are uh, Aaron Harrison and Elliot Williams. Probably I know Elliot Williams just signed, and I haven't really been able to dig and find the terms of the agreement, but I, I'm pretty sure those are the only two non-guaranteed deals. And so to me that kind of makes it seem like those two are the two guys that are fighting for that, you know, the 15th roster spot. And, you know, when you, when you put it in that perspective, to me those are the guys that have the most to gain because – you know, they could the, the most that they could gain is a roster spot and a chance to, to make an NBA rotation. And I think more specifically, uh, you know, Elliot Williams, he's had several opportunities on NBA teams. But I think if I had to say one guy, I think it would be Aaron Harrison has the most to gain from training camp just because he's a rookie, hasn't played in the league yet, hasn't made that first paycheck yet. And so really he's, he's probably the one guy that, you know, has, you know, nothing to lose but everything to prove going in, you know. Good, good point. Uh, David, you, do you have any thoughts on uh, who has the most to gain or who has the most to lose? Yeah, I think that's a good choice. I'd probably say um, uh, Daniels as well would be a guy that I think has a chance to, to, to gain one. a lot. I think I, I think P.J. Harrison is the obvious guy who's – For lose. Who's, yeah. Who, yeah. Yeah, who feels like – but that feels like that has been the case since day one. So – and we hit it on that a little bit earlier. It's a big, big season for him just to prove that, A, he gets it, uh, which we're still kind of waiting on, and, and then, B, that he can actually contribute. And for him, it's going to be shooting, I think, obviously, but just contribute in a positive way. I think he's got the most to lose. All right, I'm going to give you a sneaky – because I, I think, yes, you both make great points, especially down at the bottom. You know, again, 16 guys – uh, with with contracts, 15 spots, you know, down at the bottom of that, there's going to be guys who have a lot to gain and a lot to lose. But I'm looking at this at another sort of question mark, uh, and that's sixth man. Like, who's going to come out and, and be that go-to scorer off the bench? And so I'm going to go with a guy in Jeremy Lin who has a lot to get or has the most to gain because he could solidify himself as, as sort of the go-to scorer in this second unit and also – uh, he can prove that he can play. If he can prove he can play with Kimba, then then that's just going to add to his value with the Charlotte Hornets. Um, and so, and then you look at a guy like Lamb as well. I mean, Lamb has to prove yeah. uh, that um, you know he can score, play, make, and and not make you know some those bonehead decisions that we've made that we've seen him made, and that's that's kept him on the bench in in Oklahoma City. So, I think that that other position there, that that sixth man, that go to scorer off the bench. Uh, that's going to be a big battle uh, in Charlotte as well. Well, uh, Austin, um, any final thoughts on this low article or, or on what we expect to see here in camp from the Charlotte Hornets? Yeah, a couple of things. The the Lamb, I was just thinking that in my mind as you were talking about Jeremy Lamb, that's a good one. And then I think, uh, you know, P.J. Harrison's an obvious one to point out. And then Cody Zeller, I think, is is a guy who – kind of, you know, they, they signed some backup bigs. They signed, you know, they drafted Kaminsky. They brought in Hawes, Tyler Hansborough. So Cody Zeller, you know, not really emerging as a guy who you would have considered as to be like a top five level talent in a draft. He hasn't really shown that yet. I'm not saying he won't get there, but he hasn't shown it yet. So going into training camp and then when you, you know, follow him throughout the season, it's going to be interesting to watch year three Cody Zeller to see if he can take that next step into being, you know, a starter in a, a, a big contributor big contributor to a team. And then, uh, you know, kind of mentioning Tyler Hansborough, I think, you know, I'm probably one of the people that, you know, loves that signing the most because he plays really hard and not, he's not the most talented guy in the world and he may not even crack the rotation this year, but that is the perfect guy to have in practice, to have on your in your locker room at the end of the bench, yep. always pushing guys in practice and always making sure everybody's at the top of their game because you know he's going to bring it every day and you know he's going to come at you. And so you need to know that you need to bring your A game every, you know, every day in practice and in games. And so I think that that is, you know, a really underrated signing for them. I know a lot of people at 
at first were like, oh, you know, this is just a signing to bring in more fans, you know, from the from the North Carolina area because he played at North Carolina and because he's not very good. And But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's a guy who busts his butt every day and you know is going to come in and push all of the young guys. He's going to be able to, you know, as a veteran, help the young guys. And then also he's going to push some of the other guys who are going to be playing a lot more than him. And he stepped in late in the season for Toronto and had some really, really good games. Again, he had basically not played for a large majority of that season, you know, significant minutes. And then Amir Johnson goes down late in the year for a playoff team. And and Tyler came in, and and again, he has his weaknesses, but he showed that, that he could step up all of a sudden and uh, and be a big contributor on a team in Toronto that was full of, you know, volume shooters. So, you know, you have to look at, you have to look at his year in Toronto last year through that lens that you know he's a big guy he's got to have the ball you know facilitated to him he's not a creator and when you've got you know Terrence Ross Kyle Lowry DeMar DeRozan you know guys that are volume guys that'll get their own shot the fact that he could contribute at all in, in any kind of significant way is a testament I think again to his his work ethic and his drive so great points there Austin um, uh, great insight there on the on the training camp stuff as well uh, we'll talk to you again soon. We'd love to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Austin Peters, you can follow him on Twitter at APete1993. So, Austin Peters. Austin Peters. He had a great accent. I tell you, we got some of the best, a uh, little northern flair to it there, and we, we get some of the best accents on the show, I swear. Uh, all right, let's bring in producer Katie. We've got a couple of things to get to. First of all, uh, let's let's bring her in like that. There we go, Katie. How you doing? You 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 still awake? Hey, I'm here. <laughs> affirmative. Hey, affirmative. Uh, all right, Katie. Hey. I, I want to get to some Twitter stuff. We've had a lot of Twitter action on this uh, on this show. Anything stand out to you from the from the Twitterverse? I think something that I, I really enjoyed is we, we asked people, you know, are you a new fan? Are you new to the team? Or have you been around with the Hornets the whole time? And we've got Joseph McDowell saying, I'm part of the few that survived 7 and 59 and not once thought about switching my team. That's I very, mean, that's, that's, that's a lifer right there. That, that's that's admirable. And that's, you know, again, when, when I hear, David, this talk about this team should have uh, blown it up and, stay, and and they sort of did that for 7 and 59 and they should have stayed blown up basically and not gone after Al Jefferson and and now we're trying to be an eighth seed I just to me I throw that talk away because if you lived if yeah. you lived through that then you watched them I mean, yeah, yeah then, then you, you watched that night in night out look it's not this isn't this isn't a situation like in, in Philly and I, I don't just I don't agree with with the the plan of action there that uh Hinky is going through but I'm not in love with it right now. I'm not in love with it, but but I'll go so far to say that it could work because it's Philadelphia, because they have a culture of professional basketball that could possibly maybe survive this Armageddon situation that Hinky is putting them through, this basically just nuking the team. Exactly. But Doug, Charlotte yeah, can't I'm, survive that. Exactly. I mean, I raised this today. I mean, what do you think the last couple of years would have been like had – the Hornets done that had they if they were in Philly's position right now you know this team would be getting killed MJ would be getting killed even more uh and fan interest and buzz would be at an all-time low yeah and I, th- I think that's important and I think you can't I mean that's real that's real that's what yes exactly that's real you can't separate the, the business side of of this whole endeavor I mean it but it exists you can't ignore it it, it provides context to the basketball decisions that are being made. And sometimes that means that's a positive thing. Like if your team decides, hey, we want to win because we need to win to sell tickets. And sometimes it can be a negative thing, like in Chicago, where you have an owner that is luxury tax, you know, completely scared of the luxury tax and doesn't want to spend an extra penny. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's two sides to that coin. But I think the the business realities are providing a better product on the court for Hornets fans and a product again that isn't hamstringing the organization. I don't I don't look at the the long term and say, "Oh, well, all of this flexibility is bad. We don't know who's going to be on the roster because we have a young core 
in in Kemba and MKG that can sustain that. But, you know, I, I think it, it's interesting to get all the different perspectives. Uh, Katie, anything else interesting out there in Twitter land? So we asked, you know, now we've got 16 guys on a 15-man roster. So who do we think should go? So some people are saying uh, Elliot Williams, even though we've just signed him today. But we're getting a Sorry. couple of Brian Roberts. Hey, and, and I didn't mention him as, as a guy that needed to be pushed. Yeah. Uh, because he's not really a young guy. You know, this is Brian Roberts is a vet, David, but uh, he's another guy, I think. He might it, have something to lose. He might have, yeah. And and look, it, it just it was one of those situations, and Nada mentioned it uh, earlier in the show, one of those free agent moves that, that didn't necessarily work out. But I'll say this, it was a free agent move that people, same with Lance, were on board with nationally. I mean, Brian Roberts had a great season in New Orleans year prior. It was and, all good. It was all good. Just but you roll, ago, you, like, roll you roll the dice. You roll the dice. You you scout. Was a winner. You scout, and you get the information out in front of you. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and and you just you, you can't wait till the Hornets get out there and play some basketball so we can see if these moves work out. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Hey, Katie. Any true detective tweets? <laughs> um, zero as of now. Yeah, it's it's not surprising. Okay. 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 Keep me posted. Not to us, at least. <laughs> I'll, I'll stay right on it. All right, uh, Katie, you're, stay with us here. You're you're in for our one last thing. We've got time for one last thing here on Hive Talk Live. And uh, if you're new to the show, our one last thing is usually something silly, something light-hearted to end the show on. This one, this show got pretty serious. Uh, we we had some heated discussion there, so it's good to end on something light. Uh, so, Katie, this is interesting, and the reason we bring you in is because this has to do with The Bachelor, Bachelorette, the show on ABC. Uh, so, The Bachelorette just wrapped up. Pro right. About. You know everything about it. The Bachelorette just wrapped up. Yes. We have our newest Bachelor. His name is Ben Higgins, correct? Yes, that's correct. All right. So, Ben Higgins is friends with a Hornet, Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller and Ben Higgins. IU grads, friends, they they converse on Twitter. So I ask you, since Ben Higgins is going to be the next uh, bachelor, if if they go on a one-on-one date and and he decides to bring her to Charlotte, TWC Arena, to meet Cody Zeller, what do you think we could be in store for? If it's a one-on-one date, I think there's definitely going to be an awkward solo uh, concert. They always do this. They always think it's romantic, and it's super weird. I don't know why they continually do this. Oh, that sounds amazing. They did kind of do a throwback to my childhood and bring on the cranberries, but usually it's some obscure (laughs) country music artist, and it's Oh, that sounds amazing. And I think... that was Cody. Cody, I could see. I would love to see Cody sing. He did a great uh, Billy Joel rendition last season. I think you know. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we he can... could break out a little piano man. I don't think the Bachelor, considering they only went to Ireland and Utah this season, I don't think the Bachelor has the budget for Billy Joel. But you know, we could secondhand it through Cody. So David, how now? We see we talked True Detective. Now we're talking Bachelor. What do you think? Could Cody Zeller? Yeah. Could Cody Zeller be the next Bachelor? As it happens, thanks to my lovely bride, I was watching the Bachelor at the Bachelorette. Yes. Yeah, Bachelorette finale, yes. Yes. Finale yes. Last night. Yes. So. Um, oh yes, it was. Yeah. 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 That that was uh, that was a television show, and it was <laughs> a finale. <laughs> That's great. And that was amazing. Great AV club type analysis there by David Walker. That, that was some purred happily uh, analysis that it, I just said. It was a television show, and it had a finale. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it could be it could be interesting. I mean, again, they are good friends. We could see. We could see. Uh, thank you, our producer, letting us know we have ninety seconds left. Uh, thanks to our guest, by the way. Uh, Nada Edwards from WFNZ and Austin uh, Peters from AtTheHive.com. Again, we're taking August off. Uh, so go out there and, and find the Panthers blogs and enjoy the, the training camp noise there before uh, before the preseason starts for the Panthers. We'll be back in September. And, of course, uh, watch uh, AtTheHive.com uh, for updates on your Hornets and, of course, for our video series that we're working on now. So 
a lot of exciting stuff, David. Um, this, this is, look, David, I'll end by saying this. I think this is going to be a fun year. I think it's going to be a lot more fun than, than what we've experienced, you know, last year, barring injury. All right, thanks to, thanks to everyone for out there for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. We'll see you soon. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Don't blame it on caffeine and then go to Coke and Pepsi. Touch is a problem with society.